continue on in the message uh, here today on, on our series. Week one, we talked about the importance of solitude. Does anybody remember that? If you don't remember these things, you can always watch them online on our website. Subscribe to the podcast. You can listen to the messages anytime you would like to. Um, I just feel like God is moving us, this church, our church, and, and you personally into a season of rest, into a season of meaningful life. And uh, I felt this for a while now, and, and I wanted just to bring some encouragement to you on how to develop and maintain a deeper, more meaningful life. Because all of us want that, right? All of us desire that to make our life have meaning. Come on. That is the number one question on the internet right now, if you didn't know that. What is my life about? Do I have purpose? And it's so interesting because there's so many people searching, but let me suggest to you this morning, not even suggest, let me just brutally, honestly, truthfully tell you that you will never have life or find it if you don't find Jesus first. If you walk away from him, I want you to know that he's here for you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, you came in this place going like, what the heck just happened to me, right? I want you to know that this is Jesus right here in this room and he's here for you and he loves you with all of his heart. He died for you. He became sin for you so you can have a place in heaven. Amen? So you can spend eternity with him. And that's what matters most. So we talked about the importance of solitude this, this, this summer of get kind of tucking away and getting away and making sure that your life isn't so, so con constrained by the busyness of this world, right? Because honestly, busyness, okay, is not effectiveness. There's a difference. Do you guys understand that? You can be busy and not get anything done. If you're, if you're busy, right, and you, and you take some time to rest and you're always, you, you, you feel like you never really rested, it's because you've allowed life to dictate, your life, to dictate who you are, right? We need to learn just to solitude away, to go to the lake, to spend time with just family, if you like your family, to, <laughs> to, to spend some time with the Lord, and we talked about that. The second thing we talked about, this was last week, we talked about creating and maintaining boundaries for a deeper life. I just, like that is so important in everyone's life, amen? Creating boundaries, maintaining those, because what happens a lot of the times with boundaries is that we want to meet the expectation of other people. And let me tell you, you'll always fall short of other people's expectations on you. You'll always fall short of it. I promise you, you're not good enough to meet someone else's expectation on you. So you have to find that sweet spot where you just say, God, what do you expect of me? I'm here to please you. Amen? That's, that's what it comes down to is that. Today I want to talk to you about the art of accountability. Whew. Accountability. It's a big word, right? Accountability. We, we can look across our culture today and go, there's some people that need to be held accountable. Right? And they need to be held accountable for what they do and for what they say and for who they are and what's going on in their lives and why isn't this happening? I don't know about you, man, but I get so, I get so just, ugh, whenever we see things happening to one group of people and not the other group of people. Amen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. And I'm not talking about left, right, red, blue. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's just groups of things where if it's, if, if it's, if it, we're going to come against you because you said this, but in the very same breath, they would say the same exact thing and not be held accountable. Drives me bonkers. Drives me bonkers. Why? Because how are we ever going to know what truth is? 
How are we ever gonna know what's right? Well, let me just encourage you this morning that you're gonna find the truth right here in the word of God, in the Bible itself and in his voice. So let's talk about accountability. First, we have to understand that we have to hold ourselves accountable. We can't rely on someone else to do the work for us. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you this morning like leaders, okay? Now, these, some of the things I'm gonna say to you today are some of the things that I struggle with from time to time, all right? Some, some, some accountability things, all right? But let me encourage you today that you cannot allow and wait for someone else to hold you accountable if the Lord or if you yourself have a goal, a mission, you are responsible for you. There should be a bigger amen to that, okay? Here's why. Because God wants to make you a powerful person on the inside, okay? He's trying to create something right here. And when we rely on the outside world, whether that be good or bad, to constrain us, to, to, to lead or guide us and direct us, then we'll always lose that one thing that God is trying to instill inside of us. We have to be responsible for us. You do not make me happy. You do not make me unhappy. You do not make me sad, or you don't make me that. You don't make me more pet. Nothing. Why? Because I'm responsible for me. And ultimately, God is the one that speaks into our lives. So we have to stop looking to other people and take some personal responsibility for ourselves. This actually a spirit. It's called the power and the spirit of self-discipline. And of self-control. See, a lot of people don't want to talk about these things because we just want to do whatever we want to do and not reap the consequences of it. Let me encourage you here today. If you're doing something outside of God's word and the will of God, there's going to be consequences for it. There is. And what the normal person does is we go, well, if it wasn't for so-and-so... If it wasn't for this circumstance, if it wasn't for this, then I wouldn't feel this way. Stop doing that. Grow up, okay? And I'm talking to me, Jacob. Grow up, okay? And learn to take responsibility for yourself. Be accountable for you. I have to ask myself questions like, what am I doing that will incite movement towards God? Not what else is something, you know, the worst thing a pastor can hear, you're just not feeding me enough. Now, maybe you've said that before, or maybe you haven't, but it's the worst thing that a pastor can hear. Why? Because I don't feel responsible for your spiritual growth. You better start learning how to cook your own meal and eat yourself. I, we're here to encourage you. We're here to show you the word of God. I'm not saying that we're not, gonna, that we're not gonna do our job as a church. But if you're relying on someone else to spoon feed you all the time, the word of God, then you need to grow up. We need to get to the point where we stop craving spiritual milk and start relying on the meat of the word of God. And the only one that's gonna cut that up for you is you. Jesus says it like this, the will, the food of my father is to do the will of my father. It's to do, is to go and accomplish the mission. You're not teaching this. Well, you, you know what? Get in the word, okay? Get in the word. 
God wants you, maybe God is speaking that to you. Now, not to be so negative about it, but maybe God is speaking to you because he wants you to begin to teach other people what God is laying on your heart. Maybe that's why you feel that way. So what, I ask myself this question, what am I doing that will incite movement towards God? Now, in Bible college, Master's Commission, we used to have this thing called accountability partners. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Accountability partners. There were friends that will keep us in check whenever we stepped over our lines, hold us to a standard, remind us of who we are in Christ. Now, when it comes to our lives, we need people, come on somebody, we need people in our lives that will help us see the gold in our lives, not just the bad things that we're doing. We need people in our lives that will see what God is doing and, and encourage us to pull that out from us. That's what true accountability is. It's not just setting up the parameters. It's actually looking at the other person, seeing them as Christ sees them, and then pull that out from them. Okay? Being held accountable is powerful and helps us create a lifestyle of transparency and humility. And transparency and humility, these two elements are highly important for a kingdom lifestyle. You can't have an effective lifestyle with God if we're not transparent and if we're not humble. Those two key ingredients are extremely important for every single one of us to walk in. Transparency and humility. Now, in the Bible, there are two really great friends, okay? Very quickly. There's two really great friends, David and Jonathan. You guys know who they are? Okay. David and Jonathan were really great friends. The Bible even says that they loved each other so much. That they, and I've been thinking a lot about this lately, but they loved each other so much. So let's, let's go there. I don't have it on the screen on purpose. I want you to go in your Bibles with me. It doesn't matter which version you're reading out of. I'm reading out of the ESV. But turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, okay? On your phones. <laughs> if you're looking up the Bible on your phones, that's a perfect way for you not to play games during the message. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Okay? And this is what it says. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. I love that phrase. It was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul set him over the men of war and this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. This is a really important concept to understand when it comes to accountability. Number one, because finding friends is really difficult to do in today's world. Who would agree with me on that? Finding really true friends, like a David and a Jonathan, okay? Finding true friends that will, that will enhance you so much just because of their very presence with you that the king would see them rather than, the king would see you rather than your friend. And they will say, I'm gonna set you over all the armies in war, 
right? That's so powerful because finding friends in today's world is really difficult to do, whether that be busyness, distraction, uh, a lack of trust, okay, that we have with people. I've had friends before and they've backstabbed me, whatever the case may be. But what the normal thing about finding friends is, is everyone wants one, but not a lot of people want to be one. I want friends, but you're unwilling to be a friend. We're unwilling to be transparent and live in humility with our friends. Going to your friend to say, hey, I'm struggling with this area. Um, we have a hard time being a friend even though everyone always craves friends. I would vow to say, I'm gonna tell you what I would like and I'm gonna tell you what's reality, okay? What I would like is people come to church because of the presence of God. The reality is they come to church to meet their friends, to be with people of, of like-mindedness, to be with others. Why? Because that's how God created us. God created us to partner and connect with one another. And there's absolutely nothing wrong. It's not illegal to come to church to be with your friends. It's why if you ever wanna see souls saved, then go and win souls. <laughs> go and make disciples, invite them to come. My friends, they don't wanna know, just bring them with you. Why? Because everybody wants a friend. So encourage yourself to be the friend that you want. Be the friend that you want, just like David and Jonathan. The reason why I also think it's missing in today's world is because our culture wants to strip this idea of way of close friends loving each other so much. And the Bible said it, he loved him with his soul. We would look at that and go, ooh, there's something wrong with that. No, the culture is redefining what it means to have close, loving friendships. Just because you find someone who you can connect with does not mean anything else, but simply you value them as a friend and you value their influence in your life. And this is the relationship that David and Jonathan had, a simple platonic relationship with each other that loved each other deeply and it's possible to have those kinds of relationships in your life. It's possible to have those relationships in your life. As a matter of fact, I believe that that's what God wants for us on earth as it is in heaven. When we get to heaven, we're not gonna be just recluse back in our own little, our mansion, you know, just sipping coffee. No, we're gonna be connected. We're go which by the way, heaven's coffee is gonna be so much better than any coffee here on earth. <laughs> we should start a coffee shop called Heaven's Coffee. Wouldn't that be awesome? One sip will make you feel like you're in heaven. Come on, man. See, we got the taglines for days, right? It, it's, it's, it's one of these things where, where in heaven, we're gonna be so intertwined and so connected as one, as one in the faith, as one in unity. So on earth, as it is in heaven, should be within our relationships as well and our friendships. And I've always said this, have a lot of friends, but also remember to have very few influences in your life 
because the influences in your life are the things that are the people that can direct how you walk, how you live, how you do those things. I'm so thankful for the people that I have that are friends in my life. I'm even more thankful for the people that I have as influences in my life. It's very few, but those people know that they can speak right into my life and challenge me, okay? I've got a Jonathan, I've got Jonathans in my life, and every single one of us needs Jonathans in our life. They can, they can, they can speak directly to me. They know that if they say something that might, might uh, feel offensive, they know that I'm not going to get offended. They know I'm not going to try to step up to them, okay, and say, who are you? No, I know that. Why? Because I want to live transparent and humble before the Lord. And to be honest with you, we need to hang out with people who will pour water on our fire of fear and gasoline on the passion of our dreams. Thank you. I was just going to ask if someone would say that. We need to hang out with people who will pour water on the fire of our fears and gasoline on the passion of our dreams. We have to have them have to have them. And they're out there, I promise. Remember, remember this, remember this. You want a friend? Be a friend. Be that person who dumps water on the fire of the fears in people's lives and pours gasoline on the passion of their dreams. Be that to someone. That's a good word. So here's the three types of accountability I want to briefly talk to you about today. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, Okay because I know we spent extra time in worship this morning. But here's the three types of accountability to incorporate into our lives. Number one, every single one of us should confess our sins to one another. It sounds difficult, doesn't it? But what if they find out? Well, yes, yes, those people, those, those Jonathans in your life, you need to learn to confess your sins to one There's power in confession. There's power in confession. The Bible says this in James chapter 5, verse 16. Flip there with me, would you please? James chapter 5, it's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Dr. Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, and 1, 2 Corinthians. James chapter 5, okay? <clears throat> it's on page 145. No, I'm just playing. James chapter 5, okay? James chapter 5, verse 16. There we go. <clears throat> and here's what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Okay, I love this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Let me rephrase this. Because in that, there's healing in your life. We can bring those things privately to the Lord all day long. And yes, he will give you private victories, which will lead to public victories. But there's something about confessing what you're going through, a sin, an addiction, or something that you're going through face-to-face saying, hey, listen, no joke, I'm dealing with this. Because what that does is it brings it out in the open, right? And then now the healing process can start in your life. But if we continue to bury it, hide it, I hope no one ever finds out, 
I don't know about you, that's where darkness lives. And wherever darkness is, there's more lies, there's more sin, there's more things that can come up in there in your life that can trip you up, right? But if we confess that, now it's out in the light. Now, I'm not saying to come up here and go, hey, everybody, I'm dealing with this. I'm talking about the David and the Jonathans in your life. I'm talking about the people that you could connect with who know that have your best interests at heart. Learn to be transparent and honest with people. See, when we hide things away in the dark, we are more willing to keep them there because we have this idea that we can just get over it ourselves. I just get over it myself. Listen to me. If you're dealing with something or maybe there's something that you're doing that you, that you may not think is right. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Maybe there's something that you're doing that you're okay with, but we know that isn't right for your health and not good for you. And someone comes to you, and Jonathan comes into your life and says, hey, I notice that you're dealing with this. I know that you're doing this. I know that you're X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, okay? I know that you're this or that or whatever the case may be. It's your responsibility now to listen to that and go, okay, God, what do you wanna do with this? And I promise you, if you submit that to the Lord, God's gonna start to work on your life. Why? Because those Jonathans are there in your life to help you get to the place where God can speak to you clearly because deception is really easy, right? You don't know you're deceived. Why? Because you're deceived. <laughs> easy. Until someone comes along and gives you a different idea and a different thought, you go, well, I didn't, I didn't know that was... I didn't know that was bad. Yep, it is. I didn't know that was wrong. Nope, it is. You need to think about that for a little bit. And one of the best examples of that is my buddy, my kidney donor, Chris Roberts. Love him to death. I hope you're watching this, buddy. He lives in South Dakota. When he first got saved, I would meet with him at Burger King about every other week. We would meet together. And that dude had a mouth of a sailor, man. F-bomb this, F-bomb this, F-bomb this, F-bomb this. Right? And me, I'm just like, hey man, God's gonna work with you on this. It's all good. So then one day we're having some, you know, jalapeno poppers. This is back in 2004, 2005. And I said, hey Chris, have you ever thought and considered not to cuss so much? Well, no. It's just how I was raised. I know. But I think you're better than that, man. I think, I think you're way smarter than that is what I told him. You know? Now, am I saying that cussing and swearing is going to lead you right to the pit of hell? No. Okay? What I'm saying is that there's certain things in our life that we may not think are that bad until you get challenged and confronted with the word and with the spirit of God. So now it's up to us to go, okay, God, I want to work this out. I want to just need this in my life. Right? Just, just, like a, just like some bread. Just put it in there and get it all massaged in. All right? So that's what it means to confess your sins to one another, to become transparent and humble and say, I'm dealing with this. Number two aspect in the art of accountability is allowing leaders to call out destiny in your life. Now, for time's sake, I'm gonna read this to you, but it's the calling of King David, okay? In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses six through 13, you can write this down, you can read it later. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses six through 13 says this. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now, this is when, this is when um, 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 Samuel, was it Samuel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Samuel was coming to, uh, to, to call out the king, okay? Next, okay, you guys with me? 
Okay, surely the Lord's anointing is before him, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or in the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Oh, that's so funny. For the Lord sees not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Adinabad and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, Jesse was the dad, okay, made him pass by and said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel, the prophet, said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. Come on, somebody. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. <laughs> Just when you think you're insignificant, God calls you king. Just when you think that what you're doing is insignificant, God says, that's the one I'm going to anoint. There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, <laughs> he was ruddy, and he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Samuel, in the Bible, was a seer, okay? He was a prophet, he was a seer. He was a priest, he was a judge, and he also was a military leader. And let me encourage you, when you allow the right leaders to influence your life and speak into them, they will call out what God has put inside of you and make it a reality. And make it a reality. True leadership, true leadership is influence. And influence, when done in holiness, will cause others to fulfill the plan of God over their lives. I pray that you have people in your life, leaders in your life. You can never be a good leader until you're a good follower first. That's how it goes. You can claim to be a leader all day long, but if there's no sense of following in you, then I like to suggest to you this morning that maybe take a step back and remain humble and ask God what the deal is. Because if you think you're leading and you look behind me and no one's following you, you're just taking a walk in the park by yourself. Okay? True leadership is influence. And especially when it's done in holiness, that leadership will cause others to fulfill the plan of God over their lives. Now, I understand that there have been some leaders or pastors who have abused their title and they've abused this power. But don't allow yourself to take one experience and view it all through those lenses. God is raising up, hear me, God is raising up, I'm prophetically speaking, God is raising up a new generation of leaders that will, that will see you how God sees you like Samuel did to David and will call that destiny out in you. Call that out in you. And I pray that over the last nine years of me being your pastor, that you have been changed, challenged in some way, shape, or form to step into something. To step into something where you might have felt a little uncomfortable to step into something. Why? Because if I'm not doing that, then all I'm doing is just going, hey, everybody, what's, and I'm over here by myself. I pray that you're doing something that makes you uncomfortable, that doesn't feel good, so that way you know you're stepping into what God has called you because it's not always comfortable whatever God calls you to. 
So what do we have to do? We have to learn to submit, honor, and learn how to be led. And that's a hard thing to swallow because naturally, we want to deflect anyone in our lives that speaks differently than how we feel. True godly leaders will love you when it's good and love you when it doesn't feel good when they have to say something to you. Because godly leaders are more willing to obey than, it is, than they are to sacrifice. They're willing to obey no matter what the outcome is. True godly leaders. Number three, you can start some music back there. Real light. So we have confess your sins. Let leaders speak into your life. And another way to be held accountable is understand who you are and understand who you're not. Understand who you are and understand who you're not. I love the Apostle Paul. You guys like the Apostle Paul? Here's why I like Paul, because he was just like all of us. Right? Normal dude, tent maker. Right? Who tried to bash Christians at the beginning, but then God, oh my goodness, I almost said something. <laughs> but God kicked him off his horse, if you know what I mean. Okay? <laughs> just love that. He had an encounter with God that transformed his life in one second. Love that. The Apostle Paul, what he did the best is what I try to follow after is that he learned to emphasize his strength. He emphasized his calling, but he also embraced his weaknesses. He embraced his weakness. And I want you to know something, that there's absolutely nothing wrong with knowing who you are and knowing who you're not. That's okay. Knowing who you are and knowing who you're not. Paul would often say this before a letter was written. He would say, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ. He would define himself as his calling. This is who I am. I know who I am. I am an apostle of Christ. I am an apostle ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentile world. I know exactly my mission. I know exactly where I'm at. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I know who I am. But he would also identify with his weaknesses. Not necessarily identify. He would embrace some of those things. He would often say this, I boast all the more in my weaknesses. He said, I boast all the more in my weaknesses. Here's how I know. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Write those notes down. So to keep me from becoming conceited, so we can tell that the apostle Paul had a problem with being conceited. Right there. He said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Come on, somebody. For the sake of Christ, then I am, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He embraced his weaknesses. He knew that it wasn't all a bed of roses. So we have to understand that it's okay to know who you are and be confident in saying who you are. I am a child of God. You cannot deflect me from that ever. You'll never convince me any differently. Why? Because I'm confident in Christ and who he is inside of me.
I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what I do in my life, I'm not talking about my job, I'm talking about my calling. I don't care if I work at Best Buy. Guess what? Best Buy is going to get, get all saved. All of them. Why? Because I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't convince me any differently. Why? Because I know who I am. But I also know my weaknesses. I know who I'm not. And I say, God, help me in my weaknesses. Jesus, I thank you because when I understand that I'm weak in some of these areas, that you are strong inside of me. And you believe in me more than I believe in myself. So to end it tonight, or today, tonight, look at me. There's a weakness, learning my days. <laughs> let's learn to confess our sins. Let's learn to allow the right leaders to speak into our life. And let's learn who we are. Because those are the three aspects of accountability to a more deeper, more meaningful life. So if you can just bow your head and close your eyes with me here as we close. Is there anybody here this morning that maybe you're visiting here? Maybe you, maybe this might be your first time. Maybe this has been your 10th time. I'm not for sure your story. But I do know that God's been working on your heart to give your life to him fully. Maybe you've, maybe you've known Jesus before, but you've drifted away from him. You've, you've, you, you've walked away from, from, from the calling in your life, from, from the things that have been going on in your life. I want you to know that he's right here with you. If that's you, can you just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down? If that's you, if I can pray with you, just be honest this morning and transparent. Is there anybody here that says this morning, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need Jesus in my life. Thank you, right over there, I see it. Thank you so much, back in the back. Thank you, right over here. Hallelujah, there's three people. Come on, somebody. Anybody else that says, that's me, Pastor, pray for me, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I see your hand. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you can, if you could just repeat this after me. We've got a team of people walking around giving books. Don't let that distract you. Those books are simply there for you to help you in your walk with God. And we want to connect with you right after this. Right after I say amen, I want you to find somebody up here at the front. There'll be a ministry team up here where we want you to talk to them about the decision you made. But I wanna guide you this morning in a prayer. So if you can, everyone together, just to make it easier on everyone, if you can, please, just say this out loud with me. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. Today, I commit everything that I am to you. All my goods, all my bads. You love me just the same. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Can you guys go ahead and stand as Pastor Steve comes up? Ministry team, come on up. Line across the front. We have That's a team a of prayer. What did I say that out? Intercessors, prayer partners that'll pray with you. Whatever need that you have, in just a minute I'm gonna dismiss you. And if you don't have a prayer need, then you're dismissed. And if you do then uh, come on up and one of these people will stand with you. Plus, anyone who raised their hand and received the Lord this morning, come and, and stand with one of these prayer team members and, and just tell them what you did and 
let them encourage you. As the prayer team met this morning, there were a few things that were highlighted in their minds and their spirits, highlights that the Holy Spirit brought forward. If you're having heart issues, a heart condition, a heart situation, the Holy Spirit prompted them to put that down as an item of interest. Trouble with your eyes. If you're having some kind of issue with your eyes, the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you to come up and receive prayer for that. Upper respiratory. I know there's a lot of allergy stuff going on. If you want to have someone stand with you against uh, upper respiratory issues, come on up. And a, a shoulder, a shoulder issue, something wrong with your shoulder, an issue with your shoulder. These things were highlighted. So I'm going to pray and then head back or head up. Also, are we doing uh, cupcakes back there? Pastor Lupe, uh, if you want to kiss him goodbye, um, back there in the fellowship hall in the uh, coffee room, there's cupcakes and coffee, something you can hold in your hand um, uh, while you kiss him. So that'll be good, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you for this blessed time this morning of you speaking into our hearts and lives, of you encouraging us, of you challenging us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in worship. And now, Father, as we go from this place or as we move forward for prayer, we thank you that you go with us, you lead us, you guide us. We trust you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming this morning.